0: Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve
1: Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and today is going to be a lot of fun, particularly if you like getting paid and hopefully getting paid higher fees. We're talking today with Mike McDermott, who is co-founder and CEO of FreshBooks, the world's number one accounting software in the cloud for self-employed professionals and their employees. Prior to FreshBooks, Mike ran his own design firm, and he says he accidentally saved over an invoice, realized that maybe there was an unmet unmet need in the market. And all the way back in 2003, he started FreshBooks from his parents' basement in Toronto. Since then, over 10 million people have used FreshBooks to really uh, take all the pain out of time and billing and to look professional, and I know uh, we use it as well and uh, make, make certainly my life easier. Um, and so Mike, I want to thank you for being here. I'm looking forward to our conversation and, uh, welcome to the Unstoppable CEO.
0: Steve, thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
1: So, you know, I'd love for you to give everybody a little bit more background. They got a little kind of snapshot of of where you've been in your entrepreneurial journey, but, um, what, what really kind of got you up to this point? Okay. (laughs)
0: So I will give you a, I'm going to give a a, a more concise version of it and we can dig into any of the the major parts of the the story here as as you like. But, you know, I got my start, you know, if I I really want to track it back, I was in business school and, you know, left that program in fourth year and I started two businesses. Uh, One of those business was an events business and and to promote that event, I had to uh, build a website um, or I chose to. And so I taught myself how to build websites. This is like sort of 1999 timeframe. And, um, uh, and then I, I a couple of years running that event, building a website, uh, the caterer for that event needed a website. So I started building websites for other people. Uh, and then once I started building websites for myself and others, I asked the question like, why build a website if nobody shows up? And so I got very interested in internet marketing. And then I asked the question, well, um, if you build a website and people show up, but they don't do what you want them to, like sign up and become a lead or purchase something or whatever the purpose of your website is, uh, what's the point of that? And so I I started learning about that and I I developed a thing I called conversion consulting where we would work with um, companies, you know, brick and mortar, real estate, uh, travel, and help them improve the performance of their, their web properties. Um, and, uh, it was while I was doing that, uh, that I accidentally saved over an invoice and I said, you know what, this is ridiculous. I had you know, studied accounting in school, but the software available in the early 2000s was really not built for me. It was built for accountants. So I said, there's gotta be a better way. I had been using word and Excel. And so, uh, I decided to build something to build my clients. They liked it. And, uh, I started transitioning from a service company to building a product company and, uh, that proved to be quite a steep learning curve and uh, ended up moving into my parents' basement for about three and a half years to, you know, transition from one kind of business to the other. And, uh, you know, today we're about 300 people, you know, over 10 million people have used the service since we started. And, um, you know, you know, it's a really simple invoicing and accounting software built for uh, just folks who, who uh, you know, no retail, no restaurants, just if you get paid for your your time and expertise. That's, uh, that's our, our core focus in the market. And, um, yeah, I asked a lot of fun if, uh, you know, if you invoice, you need fresh books is the way I think of it. So that, that's the story. That's where we started and, and, you know, kind of where we are now.
1: You know, I, I think quantifying it as a steep learning curve is probably being pretty generous. I know, um, I know a number of friends who have tried to make that transition from, running a service business to building out a product. And I think all of them in the the service, uh, excuse me, the software area where they've tried to almost productize their service into a piece of software. It's really difficult to do. What were some of the big challenges that you had, uh, you know, early on?
0: (laughs) I I don't even know where to begin. Uh, (laughs) um, You know, I, I think every challenge we had every challenge. So, um, you know, I knew something about internet marketing and website design, and that's about all I knew. I knew nothing about product management. Um, I didn't know a lot about research, but, you know, I had some natural proclivities there, but uh, I had to develop a discipline there to, to really understand it better. Um, uh, you know, there were parts of marketing that didn't really exist yet, like blogging, and it became a big part of, you know, how we went to market. Um, you know, th- there's kind of leading, setting a vision, trying to, you know, ultimately raise capital, um, you know, the, uh, building a team, like, you know, hiring people, which, you know, I'd done a little of, but, you know, you almost can never be practiced enough on that file. So, um, yeah, it, it was like, I, I can go deeper on any one of those, but uh, I mean, it was really a whole raft. I found, I found, you know, building a service business is, is nice in that it is, it is a, um, it is a gratifying thing to serve others and to make an impact for them and their businesses. And I love that about it. And I still have that in my, my role today. Um, uh, but w- what's, what's clear about it is you're, you're kind of working on solving problems almost one-to-one. Like you speak with a client, you understand their problem, and then you go and deliver against that based on your expertise. Um, building a product company is, there's, there's, I would go ahead and say there's like seven to 10 more dimensions to the problem. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's fun for, if you like to learn, but it, it does make things more complex and hard.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. So, uh, you know, as you're, you're building this, the one thing I, I, I didn't hear in there was that, Hey, yeah, I had a, a tremendous amount of accounting experience that, you know, that you drew on to build this. Where did that come from? I, I, it's really, uh, really intriguing. I mean, you, you've built a company that does this really critical function, but that that wasn't the background that you had. How did you bridge that divide?
0: Well, I mean, let me first expose to you a, a bias that I have, which is like I think there can be a certain genius in naivete. <laughs> uh and um, you know, I'll i you know demonstrate it another way, which is um, you know, we're really big on culture and customer service at FreshBooks. Um I have never worked for anybody else, but you know we were able to build. I don't know if you know the great places to work thing that like Google and Facebook and everybody gets into. Um, You know, uh, you know culturally, our company we're the number one in twenty. I guess it was fifteen. We were the number one uh, company under a thousand employees to 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 work for, uh, as determined by our employees and. You know, and by data, not just like you know, nice words and and sort of benchmarked against you know thousands of other companies. And we've been a top ten company uh, for the last uh, since then, so four and and seven the last couple of years. And so, um, why do I I, I share all this? Is like, well, I haven't worked anywhere else, but solving this problem of building a a company and a culture that scales and matters was like something I've been really passionate about and had a lot of fun doing. So, so that's thing one. As it pertains to, I guess, your question with regards to expertise in accounting, I think that same naivete has played a huge role in our success again. Uh, Because I think sometimes if you bring a really strong mental model and great amount of expertise to a problem, you will end up, you know, yeah, you know, frankly, when you're thinking about serving, so this is again different than serving. In professional services where you have one client, you want to bring basically the highest level of expertise that you can. Uh, The funny thing about markets is, you know, mostly if you're doing educational stuff, the greatest and the largest market is for like 101 material, not 401, not 301. If you're thinking about the university or college courses, it's like the 101 stuff. There's the broadest market for that. And building products and services, uh, building products is is really the same thing. You want to build the simplest, easiest to use thing. And if you're an expert, you know, like we have accountants today who say that FreshBooks is not accounting, um, except that, you know, we're the number two provider in America, uh, (laughs) you know, by revenues for cloud-based accounting software. Like the market would say something different. And it's because we built something that was frankly so easy to use. I think if I had, been, had an accounting background, I never would have built it the way we did. And I, I guess that's the punchline. So, uh, I, you know, we, we came at the problem differently and we focused on, instead of like, you know, sophisticated accounting capabilities, instead ease of use and efficacy for a certain target customer. Uh, and uh, the results have been, you know, remarkable.
1: Yeah, they certainly have. And, and I, I think... That little bit of wisdom is, I think, really key. If, if there's anything for the listeners to to write down and take away from it, it it's the that kind of coming from, as you say, from naivete and, and approaching a problem with fresh eyes um, gives you an advantage. It gives you an advantage that is a little bit unique and one that maybe most people would discount. Um, I love that. That's brilliant. So. As you built up the business, what were, um, what were some of the ways that when you, when you ran into a, a brick wall or a roadblock that, you know, the thinking that you drew on or, or maybe some of the practices that you drew on to kind of push through?
0: Yeah. So I think, um, <clears throat> the way I am built <laughs> as an individual, I guess, or, or something like that is, um, I probably have more of the push through uh, orientation than I do have necessarily all the tools to solve the, the problems. Right. Um, and so, you know, we encountered many problems, you know, all of which I was wholly unqualified to solve. Um, but uh, I had a, a desire to figure it out. And so, um, I, you know, I think I will say one thing that maybe it was to our advantage is, you know, we were very aware that we knew nothing and uh so a big part of our success and you know frankly my success over the years has been knowing that i didn't know and uh, not being ashamed to seek out help and kind of lay myself bare and so i i have over the years collected advisors and that's you know it's a little saying i have is like, i like to collect advisors and i would i would get out into the world in my industry like going to conferences and things like that and i would network and i would meet people and I would turn those people into people who would pick up the phone if I called or get on the phone with me if I emailed and, and then I would bring them my problems. And, um, I, you know, it's a funny thing about when you, you know, you're honest and you bring a problem to somebody else is human nature is largely if that problem's interesting and you're a relatively, uh, you know, whether it be kind or, you know, forthright person, people want to help. And so I think, um, that and that's not a specific example. I, I, I give you some examples where that actually became a problem for me. Um, <clears throat> so why don't I go there? Um, so I, I guess it's like, hey, know what you don't know, and find people to help you think about how to get around the obstacle, right? Because the will was always there to get beyond the obstacle, but you know the tools and the know-how, you know, we just simply didn't possess. So we networked our way into that, and then uh, you know we also ran into other problems. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of the hardest problems are the ones that have really squishy long-term outcomes. And so when you're building a business, um, you don't always get direct feedback. You know, like if you're pitching a client, in a few weeks, you're going to know whether they're going to do business with you or not. Like it's not a, you know, it's not a really long-term thing. Whereas in building this, this product company... We were making decisions, you know, frequently that, you know, you you don't really know whether it worked out for for many years or an opportunity would be presented to you where based on if you go through that door, there will be knock-on implications that are hard to anticipate. So I'll give you a a specific example. When we were working in the basement, I got a phone call one day and it was the head of, uh, you know, basically... I think they might be the largest bank in America. They weren't at the time. They were like number three. And uh, anyways, but a big bank. And um, so so they called me. And uh, it wasn't, sorry, it wasn't the head of the bank. It was somebody inside the bank. And said, listen, we're, we're looking at, we're interested if you, uh, you know, you would do, uh, become our online invoicing uh, offer. <clears throat> at the time, just picture this. I'm, I'm sitting in my parents' basement. I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and and it and and it's all I can do to like uh ensure that they don't figure that out <laughs> uh and so so you know we had a phone call, we always operated with this great level of service, and people didn't really need to know whether we were in shorts or a business suit or whatever to for us to do our job well, so anyways, <clears throat> took the call um they wanted to book another call to follow up. We did that you know, fast forward a few weeks, and I'm fifty floors up in San Francisco, pitching these folks on you know, hey, we should be your invoicing provider. Um, Fast forward a few weeks, we win the bid. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, geez, um, I don't know if I want it. And, And the reason why is because if we go down the path of working with this big bank, we are setting ourselves down a path where we're beholden to one very large customer. Right. And at that time we probably had like a thousand paying customers or something like that. And that would influence our product roadmap, you know, because they're a bank and they're slower to do stuff, we would probably slow down. But you know, geez, if we got, you know, as they say like, Oh, if we get 3% of our small business customers to use your offering, you know, you're going to have a huge business. And so I was just presented with this choice. And then, so what do you do? I didn't know how to answer uh, the question. Uh, went to my, uh, advisor, uh, this great advisor. And, and, uh, uh you know I learned a lot from him over the years and you know one of the things I learned is uh you know basically you don't you like he basically said to me Mike I don't know what you should do but I know you're gonna make a great decision <laughs> <laughs> and, and so and so uh you know he taught me a valuable lesson there which is like you don't hand people the answers to these questions. Maybe you try and help them think about the potential avenues. And so that's that's what he did. And then I had to make a call and uh, my decision was not something he told me to do. I said hey make the deal worth 10 times as much and I'll do it. Otherwise we're walking. And, and they said, no, thank you. And went with somebody else. Uh, And by the way, I I think this all was like a huge, and I'm sorry, this is such a long story, probably going to mess with the cadence of the show, but, but that was a huge turning point in our business. uh, Because if we'd gone down that other door, we would have been in in deep trouble. And so, so what is the point? Um, Surround yourself with people who you can reach out to, to get help. Uh, Know that you, don't know and that you you need help and then um you know i would say don't don't settle if you feel like you know an opportunity or a path if you don't feel good about it like trust your instincts right like i think i really didn't want the deal that's why i said make it 10 times as much but i had to i had to come up with some way that i could walk away from it that i could rationalize as well uh and so um, yeah. So then, uh, which brings me to a final thing, which is th- there's a creative solution to any problem, and I truly believe that, and we've demonstrated that uh, time and again over the years of FreshBooks.
1: Yeah, it's brilliant. I love that story. I think uh, I actually think for for a lot of the folks running service businesses who are listening to this, who are often finding themselves in that situation where they've got the one big client, or they have the opportunity to get the one big client. Um, you know, just kind of hearing your take on that and also the importance of going and, and having those outside uh, folks to sort of question your answers. I think that's, that's brilliant. I appreciate you sharing that. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Mike about uh, a whole range of things. We're, we're going to start off with value-based pricing. For those of you who are looking for a different way to price your services, hopefully get paid more and get out of the, the hours for dollars trap. We're going to cover some of that. We're going to talk about FreshBooks and invoicing and all kinds of stuff. So stay tuned. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Welcome back. This is Steve Gordon. I am talking with Mike McDermott, CEO of FreshBooks. Uh, Mike, let's change gears a little bit. Let's let's talk a little bit about pricing because for the folks who are listening, who are running uh, you know a professional service business, and probably most of them billing by the hour. Um, I I've been there. My first business, we did a lot of that, and, and I know what a grind it is. And, um, and, and you actually wrote a book, a whole guide on, uh, on this topic. So I'd love for you to, to share with us a little bit of your thinking around uh, kind of getting out of that and moving more towards value-based pricing.
0: Okay. Thanks, Steve. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with something semi-promotional. My only reason for starting with it is so I don't, don't forget to mention it later because I think it'll be helpful for folks. So uh, I wrote a book, it's called Breaking the Time Barrier. It is basically a story of how to move from billing by the hour to value-based billing. We'll talk more about why you'd want to do that in a little bit. You can download it for free, okay, on our website. So search up uh, Breaking the Time Barrier and it takes an hour to read, okay? So for anyone who's not already doing value-based billing, like just go to your browser, do the search, spend the hour. Okay, Uh, it's a it's written like a fable. So please, if you can get over that format, that'd be great. Is it my favorite format? No. Is it very effective for what that book does? I believe so. It's been downloaded over a quarter million times. And the purpose of the book is to help you shift your mindset to go from a world of how you do billing and pricing and client engagements today to a future state where you can earn more money, you know, basically have more job satisfaction and actually be more aligned with your clients. So, so, so go, go do that. If not now, after, like hit pause, go do it. But um, so, so let, let's talk a little bit about uh, value-based billing and, and what it's about and why it's a good idea. Um, so, so the intent of value-based billing is to basically divorce your efforts um, from ours and more closely align them with the impact you deliver for your clients. Full stop. That is that is kind of the high level uh, pitch. And and so like why would you want to do that? Well, first of all, divorcing how much you earn from hours. Okay, that's a nice and better place to live. Uh, so so that's a thing. But there's a whole bunch of other reasons why doing that's a good idea. Um, let's go to. Uh, I'll start with my personal favorite. If you get down to it. Uh, I, I believe you need two things in business to be successful shared values and alignment. And if you bill your clients for time, you are not aligned. And here's why. If you charge by the hour, your client or you are incented to work more slowly and charge for more hours. If you bill your client by the hour, what they want is for you to be more efficient and charge for less hours. Okay? So inherent in the business model is misalignment. And 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 by the way, sometimes that can lead to mistrust. Right? And it can also lead to things like, okay, we're going to charge you by the hour for this project, we go and do the engagement, and then they get the bill at the end and they're like, what the hell is going on? Like, how could this possibly cost so much? And then they start not trusting you and saying you're moving too slow and all these other things. And so value-based billing is a very different approach where you start the engagement in a different place and you, you first seek to understand, you know, what is this client trying to achieve? What is the impact of that is delivered? And am I even able to help them do that? If the answers to those things are yes, you're putting forward a proposal where whatever the impact is your fee is some percentage of that some percentage that makes sense for them to proceed and some percentage that makes sense for you to have a profitable engagement um we can get into more uh, bits and pieces of it but but i mean i think that's a good high level introduction to the concept how about that steve does that work
1: yeah no i think that's a good frame for it and um i you know in my experience clients don't like hourly billing um they're just simply because they, they never know if they're really getting what they should from the engagement. The, the frame, I mean, you might charge someone the exact same dollar amount, whether you did it hourly or through a value-based model, you know, and, and deliver the exact same product. But at the end of the day, in my experience, the client feels a whole lot better about it if you've taken them through this, this value-based process. Um, and and I, I think it is a process. I mean, it's not just like you show up and decide this is what it's going to be. You got to. I think you got to go through a process with the client to to get them to see the value and to articulate it. Oftentimes, they haven't thought about that really thoroughly. I don't know how you find, but I mean, I, I know I find in our own business when we have these conversations, a lot of times clients haven't really thought through what is it really worth. What are they trying to achieve? They're not. They don't have clarity yet. I find it just going through the conversations that you have to go through to to get to that point are usually really beneficial for the client.
0: Totally agree.
1: So if somebody's listening to this and and they're going, okay, that's great, but I'm building all my clients right now by the hour. And you know, I've tried this once or twice before and it didn't go well. What do you tell them as a kind of, a way to get started down this road? How do they have to begin to think differently about their engagements?
0: Yeah. So, so first of all, I empathize, right? Not only is it a new way of thinking and working, but you know, you also have clients who you've trained to expect one thing from you and this could be like, you know, changing things up. So, so, you know, what I sort of encourage people to do is, you know, forget about your existing clients as you're trying to figure out how to do this and actually start with prospects. Okay. And the rationale for doing that is you may lose some deals as you stub your toe and try to figure this out, but at least they have a blank slate in terms of expectations for how you build them. Right, So that's, that's one approach. So start with a segment of your customers. The other thing could be is, uh, you pick one or two customers who you know, you, you think, um, you know, they're more open minded or, or what have you or, or trusting of you or whatever the case may be. And, you know, as they come back to you with, you know, whether it's next quarter or next year's projects, say, OK, hey, we're starting to work a little differently here. We want to spend more time with you up front okay, to better understand your problems and what you're trying to achieve. So it's going to be a, a process change. And, and we're going to give you a price up front. Uh, so that you know we're aligned and then you're going to have cost certainty and by the way to your point of like it's a better experience for the client like cost certainty is valuable you know like i bet people would pay 10 or more percent on engagements with professional services firms just if they could be assured cost certainty (laughs) uh and and so so that could be like a bit of an opening pitch and then and try you know like try and do it once or twice with some of these firms and you know, you may you may get it wrong or you may misstep here, but that's that's the learning experience. And if you know you're not prepared to risk that or try that, like you, you're probably not going to change and, and get where you want to go in life.
1: You know, the the uh, if you get past that point, the the next big fear that that comes up, and I've talked with our, some of our own clients that they need to make this shift. And and the next thing that I hear from them is. Yeah, but I might lose money. And how would you answer that? So, so you're, uh,
0: and it it just broke up a little bit there for me. So like, am I, what if I lose money? Is that the question? Yeah. So I,
1: so a lot, a lot of times people, you know, service providers will worry that if I give a fixed price, then, you know, I, you know, I've got to estimate it perfectly. And, you know, I may, I may end up making less Per hour than if I just build them by the hour.
0: Yeah, then then I would say um, you're probably not having a big enough impact for your clients, and their problems maybe aren't are big enough. Would be my orientation, um, or you you priced. I mean, the other one would just be like you just hung the wrong number on it, um, which was uh, you know a mistake on 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 your part. Uh, I think um, you know, and the other thing I'd say is okay. So what you lost money for an engagement. What did you learn? Right. What are you going to do differently next time? Uh, You know, I I will say just because you do value based billing, I I think you can still track time. Right. You should still kind of have some understanding of like what your costs are, where your sort of resources are deployed, like you may not ever expose that to your client, but for your own internal operational excellence, like, you know, go ahead and track time still. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I, think, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. If you lose money on one engagement, um, you know, is that going to kill you? And, uh, you know, and if so, maybe now's not the time to be experimenting.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think the, that first piece that you shared there around the, you know, the, the size of the problem, I, I find more often than not, that's the root of it. And, and I, I, I see it happening in two ways. Number one is that when somebody's making this transition i think oftentimes because they're not good yet at having that conversation at it, sort of leading that future client through you know how to think about value a lot of times they end up kind of you know assigning the value that the service provider ends up assigning the value themselves you know they think well this is kind of what people pay for it this is this is probably what it's worth it certainly couldn't be worth five times or 10 times as much, um, which I I think is just something that's in your head if you're thinking that, um, you'd be surprised what people will pay for if if you take them through the right process and and tie it to, you know, get them to to tie down what the value is to them. Um, but um, but so I think that that's kind of a, a, a first place where you see it start to fall apart as you don't go all the way through the process of getting getting the prospect to identify the value. And so you make some assumptions and then you kind of assume that, well, people have paid me this much before. All I'm doing really is tr- turning this into a lump sum of what I got before, and that's not the point. I think that, in my experience, that's been a, a big miss. So, um, Mike, let's, let's assume somebody gets through that. And now they're, they're beginning to operate more and more from a perspective of, of value-based billing. Now, as they're trying to track that and grow that, what are some of the, the ways that, that either you've employed or you've seen, I mean, you've now seen thousands and thousands of businesses, right, bill in different ways. What have you learned that once somebody's billing that way, they can, they can be doing and focusing on to, to grow that value?
0: Well, I think what, what happens generally when, when people take this approach is um, – And I think this is common of like the most valuable and expert firms that are professional service firms out there is you start you start moving away from offering services to kind of anyone uh, to to more and more specific and consistent industry sort of segments and, and this this kind of thing. And so I'll give you an example from from my past is. You know, it turned out that basically 80% of our clients were in travel or real estate um, by the time we we're done, and and you know there's you know market reasons why that was, um, which would include they understood the internet, uh, they were spending more money there, they needed more help, uh, so those are some of the factors. Uh, but another one was, you know, after I had a client or two in that area. I could speak more cogently in their language about the kind of problems they were facing. And so I didn't have customers that were competitive, but I was able to uh, draw on the experience I, I learned and developed in the prior client engagements and come and apply it to the future customers, which is valuable because now I'm becoming not only an expert in my area of expertise, but also an expert in your industry. And so I can bring you value you're not necessarily expecting. And so what's interesting about all that is you're more attractive. People want to buy from you. You can have a bigger impact for the client and you can actually probably get the work done faster. And so those three things make for, you know, increasingly profitable engagements.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what I love about this approach is you mentioned get the work done faster. This is how you make more money, right? You get, the, you get paid the same and you get the work done faster and, and uh, there's, a, there's value to speed. So, I want to take a few minutes. I know we've only got a few minutes left. Um, And I want to take a few minutes and and talk a little bit about the work that you're doing at FreshBooks. Um, It's something that certainly has helped our business over the years. Um, And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I never, I, I know it'll do time tracking and all that sort of thing, but we don't bill like that. So, we've never used those parts of it, but we have used it to run all of our invoicing for you know, the projects that, you know, the clients that we work with, which is all value-based. Um, and so for somebody who's listening to this saying, yeah, I, I need some help on the invoicing side, where do you guys plug in? How does it, how does it help them? And, uh, and where should they go to find out more?
0: Yeah. Uh, so wonderful, Steve. Thank you so much for asking. So uh, the way to think about us ridiculously easy to use invoicing and accounting software again, for, you know, folks who get paid for their time and expertise. So we offer, You know, time tracking. We offer expense tracking. uh, So basically, uh, and and some project management. So, you know, you can have a client engagement. uh, You can track your time on it. Understand how profitable you are. If you're over budget, get that onto an invoice. Get it in a professional way with like your logo on it to your client. uh, All that, all that good stuff. And so, um, uh, the the idea, by the way, in terms of benefits, is you know we find is people spend about a quarter of the time they used to previously on billing their clients. And if, you know, that was 16 or 20 months, uh, you know, let's say you spend 20 hours a month in your firm doing billing and you can take that down to five and you can spend those other hours generating revenue or spending time with your family, either way. Uh, those are those are our, our big benefits in our books. Um, so that's that's what we do. You can learn more at, uh, you know, freshbooks.com. And I'll just give a plug for, please don't be shy about, you uh, Uh, phoning us or uh, we love speaking with uh, folks on the phone, probably like you do. And it's, you're going to talk with a live person if you dial us up to all three. And that is a, uh, that's a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah. Support's great. Um, And yeah, I'll tell you when, when we started, I, I didn't overwrite an invoice, but I, I just got so frustrated updating a word template and sending it out. I think I'd forgotten to do it one, one week and ended up a week behind on, on billing. And, uh, ended up moving to FreshBooks and we set, we bill kind of on a, um, an ongoing monthly basis, a fixed amount to all of our clients. And I was able to set it up and I literally would run through the duration of the engagement and I wouldn't have to think about it anymore. Um, you guys would send out the invoice accurately, automatically every month. And then we got paid, which was, uh, which was really the point. So, uh, so we've been a a big fan for a long time and, uh, I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you overwrote that invoice way back when. Uh, we certainly benefit. <laughs> uh, well, Mike, it's been a pleasure talking with you. And thank you for sharing your expertise. Uh, I know this has been beneficial for all of our listeners. And uh, again, everybody, you can go find out more about FreshBooks at FreshBooks.com. You can find the Breaking the Time Barrier book there. We will link directly uh, to both of those in the show notes if you want to find those. And uh, Mike, again, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me, Steve.
0: Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO podcast. Help others discover
1: this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.